0: Regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us today. It is uh, July now, and that means that uh, in a number of states, the gun laws are changing mostly for the better, mostly. I live in the Commonwealth of Virginia, so uh, we've got new gun control laws going into effect. Yeah, no longer uh, am I legally allowed to uh, carry in uh, state-owned buildings uh, on the grounds of the state capitol, in the state capitol itself, because apparently uh, concealed carry holders in Virginia uh, are not to be trusted. Now, uh, we did legalize the possession of up to an ounce of marijuana, although gun owners in Virginia... Uh, You may still run afoul of federal law in that regard. We can also have uh, takeout cocktails now and restaurants can have cocktails delivered. So if you order food, you know, from like one of the online delivery services, uh, you can order a cocktail. which doesn't impact me because I live out in the country and we don't have any food delivery services. So now I I just got stuck with more gun control laws. That's that's what I get on July the 1st. Um, However, Again, number of states making some big improvements. Uh, We are going to spend some time today talking, however, with an individual who lives in another state where the gun laws are not getting any better. That would be the state of Connecticut. Plenty of gun control laws on the books. Uh, In fact, uh, less than a decade ago, the governor of Connecticut signed a host of gun control restrictions saying that it would make the state a safer place. And yet, homicides in Connecticut, shootings in Connecticut, stabbings in Connecticut, robberies in Connecticut... All going up, and that started uh, last year, despite all of those restrictions in place. So Carl Higby, retired Navy SEAL, current Newsmax host and Connecticut resident, uh, joined me to talk about the laws in the nutmeg state or the Constitution state and uh, when, if ever, the public will wake up to the fact that these restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms aren't impacting criminals, but they're wreaking havoc on those who would be responsible gun owners. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Carl, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. I appreciate you having me, Cam. Absolutely. Uh, Happy uh, Constitutional Carry Day, by the way, to folks in Tennessee and in Iowa. Uh, Not for those of us in Virginia or uh, you're in Connecticut, is that right? I
1: am in the Socialist Republic of Connecticut.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, no constitutional carry there. In fact, uh, a lot of gun control laws on the books in Connecticut, Carl, we we saw a number of these uh, put on the books in 2013 following the uh, shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary. We were told at the time by uh, uh, the uh, the governor, Daniel Malloy, that uh, that these were, you know, the, the most uh, restrictive laws in the nation, that Connecticut was going to be a much safer place as a result. Uh, and yet violent crime is uh, going up in the state of Connecticut this year, is it not?
1: It is, you know, the, the irony of the uh, that was House Bill eleven sixty, and uh, it, the, the irony of these bills are there. These gun laws are written by people who know nothing about guns, and quite frankly, nothing about laws either. Nothing in that law would have stopped the Sandy Hook shooting. Zero thing. There, there's absolutely no content in there that would have had any effect or any bearing on preventing that shooting. Which is exactly what we see for most gun laws. I, I mean, it, it just, in, it, ironically enough, Connecticut is the Constitution state. So I I struggle to see where they're going with a lot of these things and why they're doing.
0: You know, I think it has. I think crime is the justification, but I think the reason, uh, frankly, is is they don't like the Second Amendment. They don't like the fact that you and I and more than a hundred million Americans exercise the right to keep and bear arms, uh, and they want to do everything that they can to prevent legal gun ownership. Now, maybe they believe that there's going to be some sort of trickle-down effect on criminals, but I don't even know how many of them actually buy into that idea. I I think for the most part, they use these tragic events uh, as an opportunity to advance an anti-gun and an anti-civil rights agenda, quite frankly.
1: Very, very correct. And one of the things in Connecticut is, Connecticut's actually very anti-gun on a legislative side, but You know, like in Connecticut, you can have suppressors, which is very weird to me. I mean, like they don't like guns, but the ones they do like, they want to quiet. I guess. (laughs) Uh, But once you have a carry permit, you need a permit to buy ammunition in Connecticut. Um, But once you have a permit, the laws are extremely open. You're allowed to do substantially more in this state than you are in even some very 2A friendly states. Once you have a permit, it's just getting that permit. You basically have to sign your life away.
0: And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Connecticut has a permit. So you've got to have a license to carry, obviously, but you've got to have a permit to purchase a handgun, right? So before you go down to the gun store, you've got to go down to your local police department or your county sheriff, and they've got to basically sign off on you becoming a gun owner.
1: Correct. Um, you have, so the way it works is, in Connecticut is a shall issue state, but it, you, you know, They have a law on the books that they have to answer you. They have to issue your permit or give you a denial reason within eight weeks. Now, I went down when I got my permit. You get two letters of recommendation. You get, you know, community review. You get your fingerprints. You get all this stuff. You go to the state or the town police. They give you a little piece of paper that you then take to the state police, but then they give you another piece of paper and then they send you your permit in the mail sometime. Now, they told me, hey, well, it's going to be 12 to 16 weeks. And I said, no, here's the law. It says eight weeks. And they said, well, look, I'll tell you what the law is. I said, well, then I'm going to just go park wherever I want in the middle of the double yellow line. And, you know, their laws don't matter, right? And that's kind of the mentality. They're like, look, you, you, you'll get this when we say you get this, regardless of what the Constitution
0: says. Yeah, that, and that's a huge problem, not only in Connecticut, but uh, right now in Illinois, uh, they also have what's called a firearm owner identification card. And before you can uh, legally possess a firearm, even in your home, you've got to get one of these cards uh well the Illinois State Police is the agency that that you know approves those applications and right now there's about a 7 month wait between the time, the average time of somebody submitting an application and hearing back from the Illinois State Police so that is a 7 month waiting period in Connecticut as you say uh it's supposed to be in basically an 8 week waiting period but it can be 12 it can be 16 uh as long as the uh, the the local authorities decide it's going to take I don't know about you, Carl, but, I mean, to me, a right delayed is a right denied. There are plenty of individuals who may not be able to wait 8 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks in order for the state to give them permission to own a firearm for self-defense. They may be worried about an abusive ex uh, or, uh, you know, live in a high-crime neighborhood, and and they don't want to twiddle their thumbs before they get a permission slip, uh, uh, you know, granting them the privilege of owning a firearm.
1: Right, and that's exactly how they look at it. It's a privilege, um, even uh, even locally, like the local police department, they view this as a privilege. When I get, look, Cam, I've been pulled over running a stop sign or whatever. First thing I do, hands on the on the wheel. cop sees me, hey, sir, I'm carrying a loaded firearm, right hip, uh, here's my permit, I can reach for everything. As soon as you mention that you're a licensed permit carrier, 100% of the time, even though I'm volunteering the information, I'm being as cooperative, I'm leaving my hands where he can see them. I have had cops draw their weapons. And you're like, guy, I'm, I wouldn't tell you this if I was a criminal. Right? But they're so conditioned because in Connecticut, we the, the, the educational system, a lot of these cops are young kids, 25 years old, 30 years old, top. Um, and the, the, the conditional system here is that guns are bad. Bridgeport, New Haven, uh, Hartford, these places are crime-ridden. They have massive, and most of the guns there, as you talk about on your show almost all the time, they're stolen. They're acquired illegally. They're not done through background checks and things like that. They are they are acquired against the very laws that these people are now trying to pass to make more burdensome for you and I, law-abiding gun owners. Hmm. And they're, they're still getting them left and right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. So Hartford had 20 homicides last year. Excuse me, New Haven had 20 homicides last year. Uh, the first six months of 2021, they had... Uh, almost the same number of homicides. I mean, you're looking at an almost 100% increase. And again, that's with, you know, background checks for ammunition. That's with pistol purchase requirements. As you say, the criminals don't care uh, about the laws that are designed to impact the law abiding citizens. My question is, when do the non-gun owners of Connecticut, or let's say the non-gun owners in New York, when do they wake up? and realize that the democrat politicians who've been telling them well we can ban our way to safety no absolutely just, just let us you know pass these gun control laws over right here and things are going to get better when do they wake up and realize that they've been lied to
1: they don't because the propaganda keeps it, it, it's the constant stream of bf and you know i'm on the what, what we call the equivalent of the town council in my hometown of Greenwich, and i have brought up a number of, a number of times to say hey guys look we need to teach gun safety in our high school up until the early 80s, gun safety was actually taught in the public high school. And now, and at that point, there were zero mass shootings. There was very low crime. And I understand it's a culture shift, but like this is something that people have, you know, I had a friend who found a gun and unfortunately shot his brother because it happened to be loaded in a house and they had no exposure to guns, so they just thought it was cool. And that's the thing that we're seeing here, and that goes beyond crime, but what happens is, is there is no respect of the firearm. There is no respect of, of authority anymore. You have to defund the police, which I know you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. All these things are being taught in our school and the fundamentals of like, hey, this is a gun. When you pull the trigger, it changes everything forever, permanently, end of story. And kids don't understand
0: that. anymore. Yeah, no, that's that's such a great point. And, you know, getting to defund the police. So one of the things that, you know, the left wants to do is uh, let's take, you know, tens of millions of dollars from law enforcement budgets and let's put them in these, you know, community uh, violence intervention programs, which I have no issue with a lot of these programs. Um, I have issue with, you know, funding them at the expense of law enforcement. But it does strike me as odd, Carl, that. You know, none of these programs actually do what you say. I mean, you've got these situations where cities have made gun ownership taboo or entire states like the city of Connecticut has made gun ownership so taboo. And so now, as you say, you've got these ignoramuses running around or they'll discover a firearm and they don't know the first thing about them. Why are gun safety courses, real gun safety, not not gun control uh, and we'll call it gun safety Why are basic pistol courses? Why are those courses not a part of violence prevention programs? It seems to me that if you've got a problem with people who are willfully misusing firearms, then maybe educating those folks on the dangers, not only the legal dangers, but the actual physical dangers of using a firearm in the commission of a violent crime. Maybe they need to get that education, too. Right. And the other thing is, it
1: just comes down to respect. I mean, we have, you know, Greenwich Police Department. Uh, Greenwich is a is, is very safe place to live. It is by no means the rough and tough streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to have grown up there. Uh, however, we have this this movement in in Greenwich. I mean, we're talking about one of the wealthiest suburbs in America, where the, the worst thing to happen to most people on a day-to-day basis is that Starbucks runs out of all natural sugar. And I I, I watch these kids. These are kids. 18, 20, 25 cops there. They went down to the police department a couple months ago and they, they flew Black Lives Matter flags and they wanted to defund the police. And they are literally down there screaming in the faces of the cops. And what are the cops ordered to do? Take a knee out front. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this level of appeasement. Never in, damn I'm 38 years old. Never in my life. My parents are not gun people. They were moderate Democrats. They, you know, are, are moderate Republicans now. They, they did not, I did not grow up with guns. I, I wasn't even allowed to have a pocket knife when I joined the Navy, became a SEAL. My parents were like, okay. but, um, you know, they, they never were hardline about any position against or for law enforcement, but I was always taught that a cop is somebody you respect. It's the authority because if you need it at your worst, that is the dude or woman. Who's going to come help you? And now, these are the same people that scream in their face, spit in their face in Greenwich, Canada. You have it so good in life that these people, good guy with a gun, will show up at a moment's notice when you call them for help at your worst and lowest point, and yet you stand there and scream them. That is the cultural difference we're seeing today, and it goes far beyond um, the firearm. It goes into the, the, the educational system and the culture we're taught. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, and I'm I'm curious to get your take on this. So we've seen, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the White House knows how uh, damaging politically uh, defund the police is. That's why you've got Jen Psaki claiming, oh, it's actually Republicans who want to defund the police, not us. Um, yeah. At the same time, I mean, I, and I've been talking about this for like over a year now. So you, the Democrats have embraced the idea of defunding the police. We you know, we've got it. We got to work on mass incarceration. We've got to work on criminal justice reform. At the same time, they argue we also need to criminalize the right to keep and bear arms. Right. We need to make it a 10 year felony uh, to continue to possess an AR-15 or a 20 round magazine uh, unless you register those items with the government. Right. Seems to me like those two things are contradictions in terms. Like if you if you want to defund the police and you really believe that uh, we've got over police in this country, how on earth? Can you embrace the idea of creating brand new crimes, putting people in prison for possessing a magazine that's too big or a gun that's too big and black and scary? Right.
1: Well, and that was one of the things with the HB 1160, the bill that passed after Sandy Hook in Connecticut was, you know, I was a Navy SEAL. I I consider myself fairly competent in firearms, let's just say. (laughs) And, you know, I I look at this and I basically I owned AR-15 before that. If I did not. Go and stand in a multi hour line on a work day to register my firearms. I became a criminal. I became a felon simply for doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I got rid of those firearms because I'm not going to register them. Some, thankfully, people out there, as they always do, the private sector always out innovates the government. They came up with these others, which are now legal in Connecticut, which is obviously trying to go after now because they just figured out that, uh, you know, private sector people are smarter than the government. And, I, I see this all the time. Like, you can own this gun, but you can't own this gun, even though in 42 other states people own them. It's the most common, like, there's, like, they're owned as much as F-150s, even more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, you will be happy to know that uh, I do have the uh, Cam Edwards Home for Orphaned Firearms, so if you uh, ever find yourself in the need to... uh to give your, your guns a good home, let me know because uh, we, can, we can help you out with that. But uh, and That's why we're friends. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, I mean, do you think that uh, is the defund the police movement, is it going to disappear or at least is it going to be rebranded by the left? Because it sure seems to me like if forced to make the choice between defunding the police and passing more gun control laws, Democrats are siding with gun control. That, that, that yeah. to them is more important than the defund the police movement, at least the Democratic politicians.
1: Well, I, you know, I think the defund the police movement actually has got, the Democratic Party started that as a way to be like, hey, let's like basically create lawlessness. And I think it got away from them. I think they, 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 they created this monster, the social justice monster always expands and it always comes after and always eats its own eventually because you run out of targets. So and that's what this is. The Democratic Party no longer has control over the defund the police. It's this radical wing of the left that is, that is now in control of it. When it comes to firearms there, I mean, look—you've had ben- Judge Benitez out in California, which is, you know, had he overturned the magazine ban, the AR-15 ban, which obviously was supposed to, supposed to be relieved on uh, July 4th. It's now been stayed. You have every time these guys go to higher courts, they they lose. They might win in lower courts and so on, but every time these gun activists go against people in um. In lower in higher courts, they they lose the argument. I mean, Cam, I'm the product of a home invasion. Six kids broke into my home. I went downstairs with a firearm. Four kids ended up in the hospital, and I'm safe. My family's safe. Everything's good. No charges. You know, so I am I'm very protective of your need to be able to carry that firearm because when seconds count, cops are minutes away. But the people don't understand that. Who are, the people who are legislating these do not understand that, and sometimes. They have to learn the hard way. They, unfortunately, will have an an incident where they need the cops or where they need a firearm. And I always say there's two things in life that if you don't have and you need, you will never need anything ever again. And that's a parachute and a gun.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm halfway there. Uh, I'm halfway there. I don't plan on jumping out of any airplanes anytime soon. But uh, if I do... Definitely going to have my parachute exactly. with me. Yes. Uh, Carl, listen, man, it is so good talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. How can folks find you on Newsmax?
1: Uh, well, Saturday mornings, 9 to 11 a.m., Newsmax. Uh, I host the Saturday Report. I'm also on Instagram. Just add Carl Hick is my name. I'm shadow banned. You know that thing where If you type in my whole name, I'm yeah. a blue check mark, still down 30 people down at the bottom of the list because they hate freedom.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. I am not a blue check on Instagram, uh, and therefore I rarely use it. But, uh, but I will check out uh, your Instagram feed. Carl Higby, thank you so much again, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon.
1: Damn great joining you.
0: Appreciate Carl. joining us on the program. Look forward to having him back in the very near future. Now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizens story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there, story out of Illinois. Urbana 17-year-old gets seven and a half years for shooting a relative of a rival gang member in the leg. So normally, you know, we talk about our the recidivist report, right? Well, the light sentences. This 17-year-old got a seven and a half year prison sentence for shooting somebody. So what what's the what's the angle here? Well, according to the News Gazette newspaper, an Urbana 17-year-old who admitted he shot a woman in the leg the same day that he was sentenced to probation A third time for a gun offense has now been sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. Yeah. State's attorney Julia Reed said Damian Carter was tried as an adult because of the seriousness of the offense, shooting the woman because she was related to the recently murdered member of an opposing gang. Carter will have to serve 85% of that sentence. Uh, He has spent almost a year behind bars waiting trial, so he'll be released in just over five years at the age of 22. The sentence, by the way, seven and a half years, it's, I mean, it's not nothing. It's still a quarter of what Carter could have received. He was eligible for a 30-year sentence for aggravated battery with a firearm. But he took a guilty plea back in May, and uh, prosecutors agreed to uh, reduce charges. This crime happened back on uh, July 15th of last year. The uh, then 19-year-old woman was riding bikes with her younger sister When Carter saw her and made a comment to her that riding bikes was how Wooski, a nickname for uh, Tyrius Pettis, a 15-year-old who was killed in April of last year, uh, that was how he was killed, was riding bikes. Police say that they believe Tyrius was shot as revenge for his involvement in the July 2018 shooting of another teen who was left paralyzed from the waist down. That teen was shot also while riding on the handlebars of a bicycle there in Urbana, Illinois. The uh, 19-year-old said something to Carter that prompted him to draw a uh, 38 caliber firearm and shooter. He ran, but police found him and the discarded gun nearby. Uh, The prosecutor agreed that uh, if Carter pleaded guilty, she would recommend no more than 10 years in prison. Uh, In a lengthy argument, Reitz laid out for the judge the history of Carter's failed attempts at probation going back to August of 2019 he was caught with a loaded 22 caliber gun in the parking lot of a convenience store and a now retired judge had sent his Carter as a juvenile to probation he violated that probation on a number of occasions had it revoked for not attending school for disobeying curfew and for using cannabis but on July 15th last year, DeFantis gave Carter a third chance after hearing that Carter was working with his mother at Urbana Neighborhood Connections and had several male mentors in his life helping him. Just over four hours after that court appearance, Carter shot the 19-year-old in an Urbana Park. According to the News Gazette, some of those same adults testified again on Wednesday telling the judge that they had failed Carter. His mother said she felt responsible because she didn't monitor him better when he received probation. A, a basketball coach at Urbana High School testified that Carter had matured, and despite being charged as an adult, he's still a child whose life has meaning. His pastor admitted that the church members hadn't reached Carter. On cross examination of each of those witnesses, the state's attorney repeatedly asked if Carter was the one ultimately responsible for his own actions, and they admitted that he was. Prosecutor argued that Carter had been given plenty of opportunities that he disregarded and had showed no remorse for the woman that he shot. And she said, quote, and we wonder why victims don't want to cooperate with law enforcement. We focus all our attention, all our efforts on Damian Carter. And she said the sentence was absolutely necessary to deter others and to, quote, hold him responsible for his actions, what he chose to do. The uh, defense attorney, public defender Matt Ham, assistant public defender Matt Ham. As for the minimum sentence of six years, citing Carter's lack of a father, his recent maturation, his argument or the argument that his brain is not fully developed, uh, and the fact that he has a, quote, very strong support network, which, you know, look, all of those things may be true. I would argue that none of them matter in terms of the time behind bars that Carter should spend. Because if Carter gets out after six as opposed to seven and a half years, and let's be honest here, there ain't much difference between six and seven and a half years, Carter's still not going to have a dad. He may very well mature behind bars, but he's not mature now. In other words, the same issues that the public defender says exacerbated uh, Carter's behavior and led to his uh, criminal acts, well, those things aren't going to change. And as the state's attorney noted, Mr. Carter did have plenty of people who were trying to help him, coaches, teachers, his pastor, his mom, even though his mom says, I I didn't do enough. There were adults in Damian Carter's life who didn't want to see him go down this road. But at 17 years of age, Carter did make his own choice. And now he's going to be faced with the consequences for at least the next five years. All right, on to our uh, armed citizen story of the day Harris County, Texas, where a a homeowner fatally shot a burglar uh, earlier this week. This was Wednesday. The uh, Houston Chronicle uh, reporting on this case uh, out of Harris County, Texas. According to the sheriff, the uh, homeowner was an older man who was uh, home with his wife when an intruder came through the uh, back door of the home uninvited uh, and was uh, shot after the older homeowner said that he feared for both his life and the uh, safety of his wife as well. Uh, The police say that they are continuing to investigate, but given the fact that, you know, this was a, uh, at least on the surface anyway, appears to be all the evidence that uh, has been released uh, would indicate this is a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. I think we can uh, safely assume that that uh, elderly homeowner not going to be facing charges for protecting himself and his beloved bride there in uh, Harris County, Texas. Finally today, our good deed of the day from uh, San Jose, California. Don't expect me to offer any sort of praise for anything in San Jose. Uh, it's got to be a pretty extraordinary circumstance, given the buffoonery of uh, San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo. But Mayor Licardo doesn't have anything to do with this story. Instead, it was the quick thinking of a rookie police officer who saved the life of a woman in need, an unresponsive elderly woman uh, in a house fire. According to uh, ABC 11, uh, Officer Chris Reed uh, was one of those who responded to this blaze and was able to uh, rescue that woman uh, from uh, inside the home. Uh, He says, quote, I was just hoping that what we were trained to do was going to work. He said, we took turns because we were doing the CPR for a couple of minutes before the EMS and fire could really get everything together to get her out of here. Uh, When they found the unresponsive woman, she did not have a pulse. uh, But thankfully, after uh, crews like, uh, including uh, Officer Reed, uh, were able to uh, perform CPR, uh, they were able to establish a pulse. She was taken to a local hospital, and it looks like, Believe it or not, I mean, she is going to recover uh, from uh, what could have been what could easily uh, have been a fatal fire. Uh, witnesses say that the uh, uh, building that caught fire went up incredibly fast. There were oxygen tanks, apparently, uh, inside, uh, and uh, that helped, uh, you know, spread the uh, the flames and the uh, fire itself. San Jose Police Officer Michael Robertson So while the neighbors were trying to put out the fire with a hose, we had another explosion, which ended up being oxygen tanks. Uh, Again, this could have been a much, much more serious situation were it not for the uh, quick thinking actions of these officers, including Officer Chris Reed in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. So, uh, Officer Reed, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you. By the way, uh, 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 Officer Reed, your mayor, Sam Licardo, yeah, he's a buffoon. All right. Anyway, uh, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. We are going to be taking a a couple days off for the Independence Day holiday. I don't call it July Fourth. That's the day. The holiday is the Independence Day holiday, and so we will be off on Monday uh, in recognition and observance of the Independence Day holiday. We'll be back with you next week, however, with uh, more Bearing Arms Cam and Company. And if you just can't get enough. I don't know why that would be the case, but if, you know, you're going to go through uh, cam withdrawal over the next couple of days, get the twitches, uh, you can get up bright and early because I will be sitting in on WMAL in Washington, D.C., 5 to 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday. And then on Monday, July the 5th, I'll be sitting in 5 to 9 a.m. on WMAL in Washington, D.C. And I will also be sitting in uh, noon to 3 in uh, Baltimore on WCBN, that's AM six eighty. Sitting in for uh, Mr. Derek Hunter. I like to be doing that uh, all next week. Uh, which, yeah, it's it, next week's going to be busy. But I'll I'll take one day at a time. But uh, there you go. And I will see you back here with more Bearing Arms Cam and Company on uh, Tuesday of next week. Until then, don't forget you can always get the latest Second Amendment news and information at Bearing Arms. You can also become a VIP member of Bearing Arms. All you got to do, go to barrenarms.com slash subscribe. You can use the promo code GUNS and get 25% off of your VIP membership. That membership will give you exclusive analysis, commentary, and you'll be supporting programs like this. You can even go one step further to become a VIP gold member of Town Hall Media, and that way you get exclusive analysis and content from across the Town Hall Media family of websites, including Red State, obviously townhall.com, Hot Air, UJ Media, and more. Hope that you have a fantastic Independence Day. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.